eyes wide, her mouth hanging open stupidly. Before her was a creature she had only heard about in stories. Two mere minutes ago, if you had told her unicorns were real, she would have laughed right in your face. She was now too stunned to laugh, think, or breathe. They stared at each other for a long time from either side of the putrid pool. The water had long been befouled by the runoff of sewage from the nearby village. It stunk of waste and was toxic to drink, which is why Bridget gasped in horror as the impossibly pearly horse dipped its head towards the water. To her relief, the blindingly white creature did not drink, but touched its long, spiraled horn to the water. Instantly, the foggy scum that clouded the water slid away from where the tip of the horn had touched it until the spring was clear and the air smelled sweet and wild as the forest around it. The unicorn fixed Bridget with its bottomless black eyes, and she suddenly felt that no living soul understood her as well as this ancient creature. Unexplainable tears pricked her eyes with an emotion she didn't understand. Some strange, overwhelming combination of happiness, sadness, and wonder. When she blinked to clear her eyes, the creature vanished. Bridget doubted she would ever see him again. She was still panting and red-faced when she got home to the small cabin she shared with her younger brother. He raised an eyebrow at her flushed face and unfocused movements. When she finally gathered her wits, she told the shaggy-haired eight-year-old what she had seen, and his brown eyes grew as wide as saucers. He told Bridget that she was lucky. Unicorns were wild, violent creatures with a fondness for cutting down any human they met. Bridget nodded thoughtfully, but the rare encounter had her on cloud nine. Kids being kids, it wasn't a week before the village knew Bridget had seen a unicorn, and within a month, the king himself knew there had been a sighting. He was very interested in the information. His son had been showing more and more interest in taking the throne, going so far as to try to curry favor with the citizens in hopes of an early ascension. The king was well aware of a monarch in the neighboring kingdom whose daughter had taken the throne with some well-placed inheritance powder in his drink. A unicorn was the ultimate solution. Any drink placed into a cup made from unicorn horn would be pure as the horn would neutralize any poison. If a unicorn lived in his kingdom, it might be a solution to one of his greatest fears. The horns were well known to be two feet long, and he could easily make two or three cups from it. And like most monarchs, he was willing to pay ten times the horn's weight in gold for the security it provided. Unless he could acquire it for himself. Which was why one morning, when Bridget opened her front door to do her chores, she found the royal hunting party at her door. The king's plan was simple. Unicorns responded to pure maidens or women in distress whom they wanted to protect. She... The unicorn had already appeared to oh, since the unicorn had already appeared to Bridget and failed to kill her she must be worthy so she would be the bait the king decided Bridget would sit by the spring where she had met the unicorn until it appeared before her again then the hunting party would emerge and capture the beast Bridget argued that if she was there to lure the unicorn into a trap she could hardly be called pure enough for it to come to her 
but the king dismissed this. When she asked what he planned to do with the unicorn, the king brushed this concern off as well. Bridget was dragged unceremoniously to the spring, where she was commanded to be still and wait for the unicorn's return. While she knew the hunters were all around her, Bridget felt as though she were completely alone in the forest. Her mind wandered to the stories she had heard about unicorns. The rumor was that when a child was lost and died in the forest, in its place one could find a large, fleshy, warm egg. The unicorn that hatched from that egg would be wild, fierce, and violent to everyone but maidens and children. Rumor had it that they were drawn to innocence because they were born of the innocent. Bridget shivered. According to the king, the unicorn would lay its head in her lap for her to pet it. She was then to grab a hold of its horn, which would hold the creature captive for the hunters. Dread seemed to squirm in her stomach like a heavy snake coiling and uncoiling. She wasn't sure what the king planned to do with the unicorn, but she knew having its horn sawn off was the best case scenario. Based on the weapons the men had brought along, this was not a best case kind of situation. Bridget felt torn and guilty, like loyalty to her king and was a betrayal to the rare creature that had trusted her, which is why when she saw the first glint of blinding white in the trees, she began to sob hysterically. He had come to her, he had come, and now he would die. Her distress only seemed to draw him to her faster. He was the forest guardian and longed to protect those in his realm who deserved it. Many a night he had led a lost child to their home, and he came to Bridget to comfort her now. His pearly horn was smeared with blood near the tip where he had punished one of the unworthy earlier but his velvety nose softly whispered against Bridget's tear-stained cheeks. She could feel the hunters staring at her, waiting for her to grab the horn so that the swift, agile creature would not escape from them. Bridget looked into its massive black eyes that met hers with the complete trust of a loving puppy, and her heart broke. Instead of grabbing the horn, she wrapped her arms around his neck and begged him to please, please run away. Suddenly, she felt herself lift off the ground as though she were light as an autumn leaf. She heard the bushes around them erupt with hunters. The pure light of the unicorn seemed to glow so brightly that Bridget had to close her streaming eyes. Suddenly, it all stopped. The angry male voices were replaced by voices singing in the cool breeze. Impossibly beautiful voices that sang words that Bridget didn't know, though they had a vague familiarity like something her grandmother used to sing when she was very small. The soft nose of the unicorn nudged her trembling back and she opened her eyes. She was still in the woods, or something like the woods. Everything was more vibrant and bold, as though it were a painting of the place she had just been. The green of the leaves, the red and white of the flowers, as well as their fragrance, had an intensity that she couldn't have imagined a few minutes ago. She heard the flutter of dragonfly wings rattling towards her, only for the jewel-bright insect to hover in front of her face and reveal itself to be a tiny fairy. Bridget stumbled backward in shock, only for the unicorn to gently snuffle her hair. He had taken her, spirited her away to the land of the Tuatadanan, and now she had no means of return. The ancient Greeks have some of the earliest representations of unicorns, 
not in their mythologies, but in their bestiaries, as they were thought to be real creatures that lived in the mysterious, spicy, exotic, magical land of India. Marco Polo claimed to see a unicorn on his travels, but said that it was far from the dainty, graceful creature he had expected. He said it was thick and solid, with feet like an elephant, and that it loved to roll in the mud and slime. Few people doubt that what he actually saw was a rhinoceros. The earliest descriptions of unicorns were not the pure white specimens we picture today. They were usually described as some combination of black and red with spiral horns that were also black and red but with white at the base near the unicorn's skull. Whether it's the Japanese Kirin, the Chinese Chilin, or the Western Unicorn, these horned horses have always had a way of seeing within the human heart and dealing violent justice to the impure. As Christianity entered countries with unicorn legends, the creature became white to reflect its purity. It came to be associated with Christ, the Virgin Mary, and marriage. The wild, masculine, violent unicorn could be tamed and domesticated by a pure woman, after all. The downside of the creature's color change was that it opened unicorn seekers up to fraud. Royalties who sought its horn to protect themselves from poison often found themselves buying narwhal tusks for ten times their weight in gold. While owning the spiraling whale tooth was certainly a cool addition to any collection of curiosities, it couldn't really protect you from much of anything. The Irish came to embrace the unicorn for a while as it was supposed to be the enemy of the lion, which was a symbol of England. Until the countries merged, the unicorn was a symbol of independence and rebellion in their heraldry. The unicorn still wears a crown alongside the English lion, though it's notable that in English heraldry, both creatures are depicted with only the lion wearing a crown. I can't help but think a real unicorn would find this whole thing just a little petty, but to each his own. Many people will also point out that unicorns are also referenced in the Bible, but historians think that this is a mistranslation of the word re'em to English and that it actually refers to an auroch, not a unicorn. I'm not a biblical scholar, but there have been a few little translation issues that have occurred when translating the Bible to English, especially because the Bible was originally written in several different languages, which makes it a little bit hard to translate back into one language. An auroch is a type of oxen that is symbolic for being stout-hearted, powerful, and difficult to capture. So, for example, in Numbers 23:22, God brought them out of England, and he hath, as it were, the strength of a unicorn. They're comparing the strength of God to the strength of a unicorn, but while unicorns are known to be wise, fierce, and very fast and agile, incredible strength is not associated with them, but it is associated with aurochs. Both creatures are supposed to be very very difficult to capture and so both are considered translations of the word re'em. In most of the biblical translations of re'em, an auroch actually makes more sense, which is why modern translations often translate re'em as oxen rather than unicorn since the word re'em can be used to refer to both. So a lot of people think that it is because unicorn and auroch come from the same base word re'em that often earlier translations have it translated as unicorn, despite the metaphor that it's 
trying to use in that situation being a better fit for an aura. It's a little bit interesting. I'm not sure what my thoughts are on that. I can see why it makes sense as an auroch being depicted as very, very powerful, whereas unicorns, again, are kind of favored for their swiftness, their agility, and their purity, not so much their raw physical power. So I can understand why auroch might be a better translation if the word rayam is meant to, you know, mean both auroch or unicorn. I can see how an error would occur. Thank you so much for tuning in to Southern Fried Storytime. I hope you enjoyed the show and will be here and tune in on Wednesdays and Fridays for more stories. If you like the show, please subscribe and share it with your friends. It really does help me out. And uh, as always, it's been a great pleasure to talk to you and you have a wonderful day.